Welcome into Hardcore College Football. I'm your host, Corey Lestoki. I hope you had a wonderful weekend, and thanks for joining in on the podcast. Today we have a special guest, head coach of Marshall, the new head coach, Charles Huff, joining the podcast, spending some of his Friday night with us. Super, super stoked for you guys to listen to what he had to say. I know he's obviously his own person, but you can see the blend of Nick Saban with James Franklin and the way he articulates himself. I think he is going to end up being a fantastic fit for Marshall. I really think they went out and got a a great one, truthfully. I think he's going to be able to recruit extremely well. I think he's got some really good assistants that are going to help him recruit extremely well. And I think they've got a young quarterback. They, They weren't bad last year. And I think they're going to be really good this year. Great pickup. I'm really excited for you to get a chance to listen to him speak. And we're going to get there in just one moment. But first, some hardcore college football news. College football news. If you're watching FCS football over the weekend, big, monumental, I guess you'd call it an upset, but man, it was a smoking. North Dakota State losing to Southern Illinois pretty badly. Pretty badly, uh, snapping a 39-game win streak for North Dakota State. Obviously, they're without Trey Lance, so you have to kind of take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. But nonetheless, this is a big-time upset in the FCS world. Missouri Valley Football Conference now sort of uh, opening up a little bit here. Almost a 40-game win streak, but that is now kaput. I think South Dakota State lost as well. So um, the North Dakota State offense really struggling as of late, and that's a big-time win for Southern Illinois. Um, and that was probably the biggest news of the weekend. Um, other news, Tulane pulling out of the EA Sports NCAA football game. We kind of thought that might happen um, as we keep seeing more and more teams start to do this. We talked about this at another episode. I'm curious to see if this game ever happens until they get the play rights all sort of figured out. And, and I think that's just how it is. Um, and I think it will by the time that we get there, as I talked about before, ad nauseum pretty much everywhere else. Um, again, I have those YouTube videos. Go subscribe there. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, make sure to do that. You can find me on Twitter as well. All those good things. But, guys, I'm really excited uh, for you to listen to Coach Charles Huff and what he has to say. We talked about a wide variety of topics, and I think you're going to really enjoy it. So let's get right into the interview. Again, big shout-out to Coach for taking his time on a Friday night to speak with us and, and really fitting it into my schedule, which has been awesome, and I appreciate that tremendously. Um, so without further ado, brand new head football coach Charles Huff with the University of Marshall. Here we go. Welcome on to Hardcore College Football now is new head coach of Marshall. Charles Huff joining the show. How are you doing, coach? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for spending some time here. You've been the coach at Marshall now for about a month. What were your top priorities in this first month? And, um, well, did you accomplish them? And how do you uh, grade yourself? Uh, I mean, I'm obviously still working through a lot of it. Um, I obviously wanted to do a really good job of getting the staff in to try to get them around the players as soon as possible. Um, in a coaching transition, you know, a lot of times the, the unforgotten piece is, is, the, is the players, you know, and you, you realize that those guys are kind of wandering around without guidance for a while. Um, so getting the staff in was huge. Then obviously getting out in the community, uh, that, that was a big part. One of the things that um, Marshall was kind of built on is the connection from the university and the football team to this community and the surrounding areas. So wanted to do as much as I can to try and get to those um, 
those people while I could before football started and I kind of go in the bunker. Um, so was able to do that and wanted to kind of get an idea of where we needed to go with the with the program from a obviously a community relations standpoint, um, from a facilities upgrade, from a recruiting standpoint, looking at the roster. So we knocked a lot of that stuff out. We're still kind of combing through some of the recruiting pieces, just trying to make sure that we do a really good job of recruiting this state and this ring and, and the surrounding areas and making sure that the high school coaches know that we're going to recruit their kids. Uh, making sure that the kids know that we're going to evaluate their film. Obviously, everybody's dealing with this COVID, uh, uh, this COVID pandemic. So, you know, some kids played football, some didn't, some played some games. So just going through and making sure we cross all the T's and dot all the I's in the recruiting realm, um, that was big. Yeah, there's a lot that you just said right there that I would love to unpack on. But first, let's start with that transition because – in a lot of ways, this isn't a normal college football transition for a new coach. You're taking over a program that isn't necessarily struggling. Went 7-3 and three last year, got to the Conference USA Championship, played Buffalo tough in the bowl game. How do you approach addressing a culture of a team as a new football coach when you don't necessarily have to blow everything up like you would if you had to completely restart with a team that hasn't been good for a while? Yeah, I, I think obviously it, it, it starts with, with setting your culture and your foundation. Um combined with the history and tradition of where you're at. Um, it's, it's easier to um, build a little bit of a new culture when, when the foundation is good. And, and like you said, this foundation wasn't broken. Um, there were some things that obviously needed to be adjusted. Um, so that made it a little bit easier. And then obviously, you know, getting the players to understand that playing well is not the standard and playing close is not the standard. And one point in the year they were ranked and they were seven and zero, and you know, and things kind of kind of went a different direction. So, just getting them to understand that this is not a rebuild. We're, we're trying to close the gap, and, and the way you close the gap is consistent approach every day, consistent uh, message every day from the coaches, discipline from the players, um, adjusting how they do some things to 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 make it more efficient. Um, so, like you said, it wasn't a complete rebuild, but it was a more of a restructuring. Um, the way we kind of looked at it. Restructuring. I like that word there. Well, let's talk about that recruiting because I think one of the reasons why Marshall fans are so excited for you coming in here is how well you get recruits to come in and commit to your program, whether it was at Penn State, whether it was at Alabama. You're one of the best recruiters in the country. 247 Sports think you are. Pretty much everyone in the country thinks you're you know top five, if not top three. What makes you so dynamic? What makes you so personable that when, you know, not just the recruit, but maybe the recruits, you know, guardians trust you to develop their son and make them not just a better football player, but a better person overall? Well, well, I think you got to have a good product. And, and I've been blessed enough to be around some really, really good coaches and some really, really good programs. And whenever you have one person that is rated a good recruiter, that means there's, there's a lot of good recruiters around them. You know, a kid doesn't come to campus and hate everybody but you. A family doesn't come to campus and and, and hate everybody but you. Um, so that, that kind of says I've been around some really good people, which has helped me um, kind of, you know, recruit some of those guys and make those guys feel comfortable. Um, and then obviously you got to do a really good job of developing relationships. You know, I think you got to be able to, you know, adjust, even though you may not be as comfortable in certain areas. Um, you got to be able to adjust and you got to be able to make parents and kids feel one that they they can have a relationship with you outside of football. Um, and then two, that you're, that you're going to help them grow on and off the field. Um, and I think, you know, some of the people I've been around, Coach Saban, Coach Franklin, you know, Coach Fleck, you know, those guys have really instilled in me that it, it's not about 
how many recruits you can sign. So just going out and kind of casting a net, it's about developing a relationship with the right ones that fit the program, developing a relationship with the right families and getting those guys to, to understand that the importance of building that relationship with you and the program where you're at is, is most important. Yeah, I don't know if you have my notes here because I feel like you are answering questions before I get to them. I was going to get to Franklin and Moorhead and, and Fleck and Saban a little bit later on. Uh, I do want to bring up one thing you talked about, at least alluded to in the press conference when you first got the job. Uh, you're talking about having a recruiting niche that – um, every recruiter needs to have. What did you mean by that? What, how does a recruiter have their own niche? Can you kind of explain that a little bit more for us? Well, I think it's it's just, just like you on your your podcast. You, you got to be yourself. You got to be yourself, and you got to know um, one what you're trying to get across to parents and, and, and recruits. You got to do a really good job of developing relationships with high school coaches so that they can give you the information. Um, and, and I think you, the, the biggest thing is not to try and be someone you're not. Like, I, I've learned a lot from, you know, Coach Saban and Coach Franklin, but I'm not Coach Saban. You know, there are a lot of things that I've learned and a lot of things that I'll use, but I can't be him. I, I got to be a combination of all of those things. And that's the same thing in recruiting. You know, you can't be, you know, the, the, the D-line coach. You can't be the O-line coach. You, you got to be yourself and you got to stick to your guns. And I think once you do that over time, I think people – um, get a really good feel for how genuine you are. And, and I think that's kind of the starter of building a relationship. People got to trust you. People got to feel you're honest and genuine. And that comes with being yourself. Okay, one more recruiting question for you, then we'll switch gears. Uh, you, coach Telly Lockett, your RBs coach, and then you also got Lance Skidry. They got some ties to Florida. They got some ties to Louisiana. I know you mentioned in the press conference that you want to stick and really focus on the five-hour radius, but it also seems you're equipping Marshall with the ability to recruit nationally. How do you sort of balance that local and national recruiting and make sure you get the guys um, that are nearby and then you talked about you know, can go home on the weekends, but also you know, getting the best guys that Marshall can possibly get? Well, I think, one, those two guys are, are, are phenomenal teachers, coaches, and recruiters, so that helps. Um, when you're when you're not focusing a lot in a certain area, you, you got to have guys who have really good relationships in those areas that know they can go in there and find the right kids for us. Um, so we can focus a lot of our attention on the ring and on the kids that are in the five hour radius. But we also got to be able to get the best players. And if that means the best player is in Louisiana or the best player is in Florida, we got to be able to go get him. But in order to do that without investing a ton of time, you got to have persons that have relationships, persons that know the area so that they don't have to waste all their time, you know, scouring the, the, the Florida, South Florida, North Florida, Louisiana area. They can lean on their relationships with coaches. They can lean on the relationships with families down there and they can, you know, be able to pick the right kids uh, without necessarily having as much information or as much time to kind of find different guys down there. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right, let's switch gears here. You already mentioned some of the great coaches that you've had the privilege of working with. You know, what uh, specifically from the head coach perspective can you try to emulate now that you're a head coach that made them so successful? What is something that maybe they all did, some something, um, whether it's work ethic, whatever the case may be, that it seemed to be a common denominator in some of these great coaches that you've had the privilege of working with? Yeah, I mean, I think each one of them is is, is extremely different, but also very similar. Um, you know, when I was with Coach Fleck, Coach Fleck is a different guy as far as his energy and his personality. Um, but what I learned from him is be yourself and, and, and don't worry about what people may or may not think fits their lane. You know, you be yourself. 
um, always be yourself. And that way people know, you know, who you're going to be and how you're going to approach it. You know, Coach Franklin was kind of the master of organization, you know, being very detailed in everything you do, having a plan for everything you do, um, but also being able to adjust. Um, you know, if you got a plan, it's easy to adjust a plan. If you don't have a plan, it, it, it makes it a little bit more difficult. Um, Coach Saban was kind of the master of uh, consistency, you know, consistency in approach, consistency in um, his demeanor, consistency in the game plan, consistency in the recruiting plan. Um, and he set an expectation uh, for everybody in the program that was very easy to follow because he set that expectation and kind of blend it to who you are. Um, then you kind of develop your own niche. You know, you develop your own niche by being yourself. You know, you, you have a plan that fits, you know, Marshall University. Um, you, you, you'd be very, very consistent in your approach so that the players know and feel that you are genuine. And then, you know, hopefully seven national championships later, everybody will be saying, well, what did you learn from Coach Huff? Um, <laughs> kind of the plan. That sounds great. Now, is there things that you've picked up on? Like when I saw you got the job, I was thinking right away about head coach Ricky Rainey at Old Dominion because he started right before the pandemic started. Have you reached out to him or any other coaches on how to handle this from a head coaching organization point of view as far as, you know, getting kids in and actually getting them to work and implementing your plan when you don't necessarily have all of the tools of exposure as you would a non-pandemic year? Yeah, I, I, I reached out to a bunch of different people. Um, obviously, I probably had the, the master of um, – of a plan and adjustment with, with Coach Saban. So a lot of the things that we dealt with um, last spring when it first kind of hit and there were really no answers to this whole deal, um, we're kind of just adjusting that plan. Um, but I have reached out to a couple guys just to see, you know, on this level, some of the things that they're dealing with, especially in conference with conference rules and, you know, in conference kind of guidelines. Um, but we, I kind of got a, a crash course and was able to kind of, copy the plan we had when we were at Bama. We lost our spring. We didn't have a spring ball. Uh, we were still able to adjust. We were still able to capitalize on, um, you know, the the opportunity to get better, whether that was by Zoom or whether it was kids working out at home. Um, so I used a lot of those things to kind of mimic, um, you know, what we were going to do here and how, how it would work for us. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, and it seems to obviously work quite well at Alabama, so it's not a bad uh, bad idea to take it from there. Let's talk a little bit more college football, specifically to your team now. You retain your offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, Tim Cramsey. How um, did his relationship with star quarterback Grant Wells kind of influence that decision? And from what you've gathered so far from your quarterback, Grant Wells, what have you learned from What's your impression of him? Well, I think, you know, Coach Cramsey and I had, had a relationship prior to, um, prior to me getting um, so we had known a little bit about each other. Uh, we had been, you know, colleagues um, through the through the you know coaching ranks. So we we'd had a little bit of a relationship. So that helped. Um, Grant, obviously, a phenomenal uh, player. Um, and anytime you can keep things consistent for the quarterback, um, you got a better chance for your offense to play better. Um, so you know, it it, it was kind of a a win-win for me. It worked out that um, I was able to one work with a guy I know because that's that's really huge in the being able to help Grant was kind of a win-win. Yeah, and so as you move towards spring practice now, uh, maybe one thing on each side of the ball that you're looking to see uh, to improve on based off of the limited reps that you guys are going to get. 
Yeah. So just kind of going back to what I learned with Coach Saban about, you know, being consistent, you know. So offensively, we just want to be consistent in our approach, you know, be consistent in our execution, you know, minimizing the negative plays. Um, you know, it's similar system. We are going to add some things, you know, with, with, with Coach Cramsey did last year. So getting those guys to be able to play confident um, is, is, is a big piece on offense. Defensively, we're switching schemes. So obviously trying to get those guys, uh, one, to learn the scheme, um, two, to, again, eliminate MA so we can play more consistent, and then for them to be able to play a lot faster in the summer after we get through spring, being that they've kind of got that, you know, that foundation or that base from, um, from the spring. Yeah, and it seems to be how you know how crucial that first spring practice is for new coaches, especially if you're going to be implementing a new scheme on defense. Um, coach, let's finish this off with a couple more overarching themes here. And you talked a little bit in the press conference. You got a little bit emotional about you know how hard you worked and the people that kind of got you to get there. Um, and in a way, it kind of reminded me of James Franklin and how he is not afraid to put his emotion on his sleeve and, and tell you how he really feels. And if that means crying, it means crying. That means being emotional with his players. You know, he's going to be emotional with his players. I feel like that's the complete polar opposite. And correct me if I'm wrong than what we at least see from Nick Saban. So I feel like you've kind of got, you know, two polarizing uh, point of views there. What is your approach as far as showing and teaching your players to show their emotion? Well, I, I think it's, you know, um, you, you got to play with emotion. You got to live with emotion, um, but you can't be emotional. You know, you can't make emotional decisions. You can't make emotional reactions. Um, you you got to be able to, you know, kind of live through, you know, the moment. Um, so I want my players to be able to play with a ton of emotion and fly around and I want them to hug each other, but I also don't want them to make emotional decisions to where, they do something or say something, you know, when they're in their social life to where, oh, man, I didn't mean to do that. Or I wouldn't have done that if I was, you know, thinking straight. So being able to, to play with emotion and have that emotion, but also not letting that emotion um, take you out of character. And that, that's kind of my approach to it as well. Um, you know, I probably show a little more emotion than Coach Saban, um, but I'm also probably 30, 35 years younger. Um, so. Um, I've had a little more, um, you know, experience as far as jumping on guys and being fired up than he does. Um, for him, it's a little bit more of a consistent approach. So I'll be a combination of the two. I won't be crying much, but uh, I will be coaching with a little bit of fire. I will be coaching with a little bit of emotion. So hopefully our guys will be able to kind of replicate that in a positive nature. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Another overarching question for you. Transfer portal. Do you like where it is right now? But also more importantly, and I think this kind of comes back to loyalty for the players that you recruit. How do you balance going out into the transfer portal and bringing in people, but also developing the guys you have and keeping them happy? What's that balance like for you? I think what you got to try to do is anytime you can improve your team, that's the first thing you got to try and do. Whether that is with a coach, whether that is with a player, whether that's with transfer, player, whether that's with a new administrator, with whatever it is, anytime you can improve your team, I think you got to try and do that. Second of all, I think what you got to get your players to understand is competition makes everybody better. So if we can compete at a higher level in practice every day, then we're going to be a better football team on the field. 
if we can compete at a higher level on game days, then we're going to be a better team. So getting the players to understand that. Then when you start taking transfers or you start taking other coaches or whatever it may be, I think the key is you got to make sure they fit your program. Um, a lot of times transfers are transferring for a reason. You know, they don't just transfer because everything's going right. Um, and sometimes that reason is not a negative reason. Sometimes that reason is not that they did something wrong or somebody else did something wrong. So you got to make sure that guys you bring in your program um, don't screw up your program. Um, and, and that's part of the vetting system. And that's the same thing with the high school kid. If you're you know, signing a high school recruit, you got to make sure that guys you add to your program bring value um, and they minimize the devalue. Um, so I think that's a big part. Obviously, we're living in the world now where college football is turning into a little bit of free agency. Um, that's part of it. Um, so I think it's, it's our job as coaches to maximize the quote unquote free agent or the transfer portal, but also understand that the value of our team is more important than a great player or a, you know, a great transfer just to say we got a great transfer, if that makes sense. Right. And I guess to add on to that, I mean, how do you go about making sure there isn't red flags or, or, or how do you make sure that when a guy comes in that, you know, if you spend a year this first year really trying to restructure your culture, as you put it, how do you make sure that that guy comes in and fits it? I mean, how do you guys have those conversations or is it pretty much all from what you can get from secondary sources? Well, I think it goes back to your relationships. Uh, you you got to have relationships with other um, college coaches. You got to have relationships with high school coaches. You got to have relationships with parents. Um, so you can do the research, you know, a, a transfer is no different than a high school kid. You know, you want to find out everything about him, you know, what kind of competitor is he, you know, is he honest? Does he have character? Will he compete? Does he like to work? Um, all of those things. And obviously there are different vehicles in finding those answers with transfers, but there's also, um, there are vehicles, you know, so high school kids, you may call the high school coach or you may call the counselor or you may call somebody in town that knows the kid. Well, with transfers, you, you may call the college coach, you may call the high school coach, you may call his old trainer, uh, you may call his parents, you know, so you, you got to do the same research um, that you would do with a, with a high school kid so that you're making sure you're not taking, um, you're not taking quote unquote bad apples and putting them into your, your basket. Exactly, exactly. All right, coach, I'm going to ask you this and you can give me the, you know, obvious coach answer if you want, but I think it's interesting because you're going to come at it from two perspectives now college football playoffs should we have some sort of expansion do you maybe have something in mind um but you you know obviously won one at alabama now and now you're at a school at marshall in the cusa who obviously does not have that same opportunity to maybe even play in a college football playoff even if you went undefeated do we need to expand it should we leave it where it is or why no, I, I think we should leave it exactly where it is. Um, once you start expanding, then what's the number you expand to? Um, and then, you know, I, I think the college football playoffs has already kind of devalued the other bowl games. So if you expand it, you're really going to devalue those bowl games. Um, I, I think what, you know, should happen or could happen is um, the, the committee's got to be a little bit more open maybe to, to, a, to a team that, you know, has shown over time. Um, that they may be able to compete, but I, I am not for um, expanding um, because I think once you do that, one, you devalue the, um, you know, you devalue the other bowl games and then you make the season longer. I mean, we play a very violent game that goes 
um, pretty long and, and guys take time to get ready to play that game. And if you make it longer and you add another round, are you losing home games? Are you losing, you know, regular season games? Are you devaluing conference championship games? I think everybody should take the approach um, to be the best they can be today. And, and whether that ends up with you winning a national championship or that ends up with you being in the you know college football playoffs or being in a bowl game, I think that's that's the approach you should take, um, because what you, when you set your sights on, OK, well, we're trying to make the playoffs or we're trying to win the national championship. Well, when you don't, well, what are you playing for? You know, I think it should be a focus on playing to get better. I think it should be a focus on playing to dominate your competition. And, and the chips will fall where they you know, deserve to fall. Um, you know, that's just my take on it. If, now, if they decided that they were going to expand it, would I, would I take my team out of it? No. Um, but I, I, am, I am on board for, for where it is. I'm on board for the pureness of college football. Um, I think, you know, you, you, can, you can taint it a little bit if it gets a little bit too, um, what do you say, if it turns into, you know, March Madness, I think you can taint it a little bit. Right, and I, I totally understand where you're coming from there, but I do have to ask you, when you go into the you know, recruits' living rooms now, I mean, are you, you can't offer a national championship. You can't offer playing the college football playoff as a guarantee. Does the focus sort of change more to we're going to improve you as a better player and prepare you for the next level? Is that more of the uh, pitch now instead of you know, possibility of you know, maybe a CUSA championship, but it, it's hard to really say or promise, even if you go into feed, that you're going to be playing for a college football playoff game. Yeah. Uh, well, when when I went in homes at, you know, at the University of Alabama and Penn State and, and all those places, I never went in saying, hey, we're looking to win a national championship. I think if kids are looking to win national championships and they're not looking to get better, um, I, I want to recruit young men that are looking uh, to get better every day. I'm looking to get better every day. I'm looking to dominate the competition that's in front of me and I'm going to maximize my opportunity, whatever that opportunity is. Um, if, if the kids, if the kids or the coaches or whoever it is, is just set on winning a national championship, the odds of winning a national championship in college are very slim. Um, so is your whole college experience, is your whole coaching experience uh, for not? Or did you take the opportunity to maximize your opportunity to get better every single day in every single area that you have? Um, and those are the type of kids I want to recruit and, and where we end up from there. Well, who knows? Um, but I believe when you start selling a, a gold, you know, I think you're, you're, you're asking to come up short when you start saying, well, you know, hey, we're going to win a national championship. Or we're going to play in the college football playoffs or we're going to win X amount of games. Well, when you don't, did you were you unsuccessful? I don't know. Well, then for me, I'm going to sell the opportunity for kids to come here, get a world class education, compete at the highest level of college football and set their foundation to set them up to be successful in life. And from there. Whatever happens in between those lines, then we count that as extra. But that's kind of our, our approach. That's our recruiting model. Um, and that those are the kids that we want to attract. Um, I, don't, I don't know too many um, schools out there that are successful that are selling, hey, we're going to win a national championship every year, even Alabama, um, because you're not. I mean, you may win a few. You may get close. You may compete in, you know, in, in college football playoffs at a high level. Um, but to, to sell to a young man that you're going to win a national championship, um, that, that, that's more of a dream rather than a goal. Right. And I mean, you just, I can see now why you are one of the best recruiters in the country because the way you just articulated all that was, was amazing right there. I want to go suit up for Marshall this fall. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's a good point for what you said. And unfortunately that recruiting pitch that Nick Saban had leaked 
you know, you saw that where he was talking about the competition and, you know, getting better every single day, things that you've echoed throughout these last 30 minutes. And, and I don't remember him mentioning winning national championships at all in that. So that, that's a very good point. Coach, probably the most important question I'm going to ask you tonight is, have you found a great place to eat in Huntington before we let you go? <laughs> I've found a bunch. So if anybody is coming to Huntington, West Virginia, call me and I can set you up with a meal every night of the week that you will definitely uh, rate in your top five uh, of, of the food network chain options. Uh, we are definitely uh, blessed enough to have a bunch of different, really, really good restaurants, really, really good restaurant owners um, here in Huntington. So I don't know if I'm putting on weight or if I'm just getting a little bit bigger from lifting weights. So I'm going to claim lifting weights, but it's probably the other. Yeah, I can relate to that, and I have not been in the gym as much. So, <laughs> Coach, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us today. Uh, best of luck in your first year at Marshall. We really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you, man. I, I appreciate you guys having me on, and hopefully you guys will get an opportunity to catch some herd games. And if this pandemic ends, you guys are always welcome in Huntington, West Virginia. I appreciate it, Coach. Take care now. All right, man. Go herd. All right. I hope you enjoyed Coach Huff joining the podcast. My most fascinating part of that interview was when he was talking about how he is never or he doesn't know anybody who has ever used winning a national championship as a pitch to recruits. He says, we're not doing that. You can't promise that because that's actually not a very likely scenario even at Alabama. Um, I thought that was the most interesting part. Um, but really, I just appreciate Coach Huff coming on and spending some time with us. Let me know what your favorite part of the episode was. Uh, before I let you guys go, I do have a little bit more breaking news that just happened here on Sunday. Michigan lands quarterback Alan Bowman from Texas Tech has immediate eligibility for the Wolverines coming over from the Red Raiders. So it looks like Michigan's got their next quarterback. Um, but otherwise, that is all I have for you today. If you like talking college football, make sure to join the Discord. You can find that link wherever you uh, basically find me. And that is all I have today. Until next time, everyone stay hardcore. Peace out.